If you're reaching for the Pew Bible, I'd invite you to, instead of turning to Mark 9, to turn John 11. We'll be reading the 35th verse. This is a reading of the Gospel according to John, chapter 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There is, of course, much more to that story that John is writing when he writes the words that Jesus began to weep. Some folks make a big deal about that being the shortest verse in the Bible. I think that the length of this verse is really irrelevant. The chapter and verse numbering system that we're so used to seeing in the Bible did not exist in the story's original form. There were no punctuation marks in the original texts of the Bible. In truth, when the verses were being divided up, this so-called shortest verse could have been joined to verse 36, which is, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. John chapter 11 verse 35 could have read, Jesus wept, and so the Jews said, see how much he loved him. And it would not have been any less powerful. It's not the brevity of the verse that captures our thoughts, but the weight of what it says. It's the weight of the idea that the Lord of the universe wept. The weight of that idea caused the people who divided the Bible into chapters and verses to decide that the two words Jesus wept had to be a verse all their own. In Jesus' weeping, we find affirmation of God's promise in Isaiah 41.11 where God says to us, Do not fear. I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my hand. In Jesus' weeping, we find affirmation of Psalm 34's proclamation. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Jesus wept. Jesus came to the home of his friend Lazarus to find Lazarus dead and Lazarus' sisters overwhelmed with grief. Jesus asked where they had laid Lazarus and when they said to him, come and see, he was moved to compassion in his bowels and tears fell from his eyes. He was being confronted with the violence of death, the destructive, dehumanizing, and debilitating weight of death's shadow. We know why we weep. We cry when we are in pain. Whether emotional pain, mental pain, spiritual pain, or even physical pain. 
All of these can cause us to feel overwhelmed and cause us to weep. Our suffering wells up and falls from our eyes in the form of tears. Jesus wept. In response to the death of His friend Lazarus, Dear ones, the death of a loved one may be the catalyst that brings on the greatest pain we may ever feel. There's a reason that Psalm 23 reminds us that God is with us as we travel through the valley of the deepest darkness, the valley of the shadow of death. There's a reason that the psalmist wants us to know that God will be with us. And we need not fear. Because death is agonizing. Jesus walked into that shadow and felt the hurt of all humanity. And dear ones, Jesus wept. Now the sermon I had planned for today was not this one. A Facebook post changed my plans, or I should say it's my hope that the Holy Spirit used a Facebook post to change this sermon. A dear friend had posted a picture on Facebook. It's what is referred to as a meme. A meme is an idea or a style or a fad that spreads from one person to another and it can become a symbol for a way of thinking or even for a kind of pain. The behavior or style becomes a way of recognizing what's in all of us and that's why they're so important, why they're so popular. On Facebook, they take the form of pictures with words superimposed over them. Some of you have likely have seen those. Some of you probably shared some of them. There are some good ones. There are some bad ones. You know, sometimes I get ones that have a picture of Jesus and they say, if you love me, you'll like and share. And I always want to put on there, if you don't know that I love Jesus, surely you don't know me. Maybe we shouldn't be friends. And then some are used to express deep hurts. Such as the one my friend posted last night. That particular meme was a photograph of Marilyn Monroe. She's sitting on the beach in a bikini. She's smiling, a really bright smile that looks as if it it just had to be accompanied with great laughter. That her mouth must have been filled with the joy of her heart. But the words superimposed over that beautiful, happy picture were these. Emotionally, I'm done. Mentally, I'm drained. Spiritually, I'm dead. Physically, I smile. Tragically, our culture knows that that was the true story of Marilyn Monroe's life. And my friend was using that symbol, that symbol of Marilyn Monroe's life to express her own suffering. It's symbolic of how she feels as she continues to struggle, to suffer with the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, and indeed the physical pain brought on by the loss of her mother. I felt overwhelmed by that. Because I know how she feels. 
I know the deep pain of losing my own mother, and I suspect I'm not alone in that. I suspect that we all know the deep pain of losing someone so important to us. Whether through death, or conflict, or our own inability to forgive. We have all lost people. Our congregation has lost many people that we loved in the last five years. People who were pillars of our church. People who kept us afloat in times when it looked like we might sink. People who led us and loved us. We've lost some of those people just this year. Tuesday night at the Charge Conference, we read the names of these that we lost in 2014. And up until last week, we lost Marion Prohl, Jean Olin Jackson, Deanna Williams McDaniel, Karen Renee Penrod, Donald E. Gordon. As I read those names Tuesday night, I remembered the tears we shed together, the disappointments of people lost too early, the hurts of death that seemed so unfair, the burden of circumstances that were absolutely overwhelming, and praise God, the comfort of the Holy Spirit that we shared as we gathered here to celebrate their faith and to remember the goodness of God and the faithfulness of Christ. We remembered our, their sufferings and our sufferings with them. We remembered their faith in spite of their sufferings as we joined with Jesus, weeping at the tombs of our loved ones and reminding each other of the promise of resurrection. As I looked at that meme, I felt the pain again from when my mama died. I felt the heat rise in my face and the tears fill the base of my eyes and it occurred to me that I know my friend's suffering. I've shared it. I've eaten my mouth full of it. And then I remembered that Jesus knows that suffering and that He shared it as well. Jesus stood outside the tomb of one He loved. And Jesus wept. Jesus walked into that shadow of death. Stood under its destructiveness. Stood under its dehumanizing nature. Stood under it in its debilitating weight. While all cried around Him, He spoke life. He raised Lazarus from the dead, pointing to the time when death would be no more. This Jesus of Nazareth, who we proclaim to be God in the flesh, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, came down from heaven to be with us in our suffering. Matthew tells us that Jesus is Emmanuel, that He is God with us. And at the end of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says to us, I will always be with you. Even until the end. And from that promise, we can know, dear ones, that we will never suffer alone. Christ will be present with us. How often we say that He came to die for us, and rightly so, 
But perhaps in our own times of suffering, we must also remember that He came to be with us, to abide with us, to live with us, to suffer with us. That God in the flesh came to pitch a tent with us, to sit by the fire with us, to love us and to uphold us and to teach us what it means to live in the promise that death will be no more. He came to live in our misery the taste of our suffering, including the loss of our loved ones. Jesus came to give Himself over to death to endure our greatest suffering for our sake. Because God loves us. In Jesus, God came along to suffer alongside us so that God could redeem our suffering. So that He could make it right. To turn our crying into dancing. Into our death, God came to speak life. To raise our dead hearts to lives of love. Right there, facing the lack of faith of his friends and the pain that death had brought upon them, Jesus was moved in his bowels with compassion and wept. As we suffer ourselves through the valley of the shadow of death, as our lives are shifted by death and pain so that we feel ourselves dangling, listless, without purpose, feeling as if life is pointless, and wondering, where is God in all this? Perhaps it would be good for us to remember that Christ knows and has experienced our suffering. He knows what it is to be weak, to be overwhelmed by the weight of death and the condition of sin that brought death into the world, into His own creation. He knows the burden we carry when we feel emotionally done. He knows the burden we carry when we feel mentally drained. He knows the burden of feeling spiritually abandoned. As the writer of Hebrews says, He is able to sympathize with our weakness. Because He suffered as we suffer. He was tempted as we are tempted. Christ, dear ones, suffers with us. I'd like to share with you what it is that comforts me. I'm comforted to know that God is not sitting far away observing our pain from a safe distance. I acknowledge that God knows all, and certainly God has always known about human suffering. But in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, God came to us and experienced our suffering. He came and shared it with us. Jesus stood in the midst of our suffering and spoke life, saying, Lazarus, come out! He raised Lazarus from the dead to point to the greatest of God's promises that one day even death will be no more. I find tremendous comfort in that. It comes from Revelation 21, the promise of a new creation. 
Revelation 21, 1 through 4 says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with humans. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And the life, the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, God shows us that God loves us enough to enter into our suffering and our misery, to share it with us, so that now God can share with us God's joy, God's peace. God's grace, God's mercy, and God's love. Just as He promised, Jesus is here with us today. Jesus will be with us tomorrow. Jesus will be with us forever. We do not suffer alone. His promise of rest is true for us right now. And so He calls us to come to Him. All of us who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and He will give us rest. We are promised in 1 Peter 5 that even when we feel emotionally done, mentally drained and spiritually dead, God can and will restore us, confirm us, strengthen us, and establish us in peace. When, not if, but when we suffer, let us not attempt to endure it in our own strength. With our own pride, forgetting that Christ came to suffer with us. Instead, let us humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time God might exalt us, lift us up out of our misery. Let us cast all our anxieties on Him, because He cares for us. We have seen Him weep. Christ will speak life in the midst of our suffering. Let us pray. Lord God, this day we ask for Your mercy for us. Especially for those of us who bear the hurts of lost loved ones. For those of us for whom that is recent and still overwhelming, we ask for peace. That You would help us all to trust You with our hearts to trust You with our hurts, and to seek help in You. Help us, Lord, to cast our burdens on You, 
Help us, Lord, to turn over those things that have hurt us. Help us, Lord, to be at peace. We ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.